The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hello, my friend, and welcome to another episode of Negotiate Anything. Thanks for spending time with us today. It's listeners like you in 181 different countries that have made Negotiate Anything the most popular negotiation and conflict resolution podcast in the world. I'm your host, Kwame Christian. I'm a business lawyer, mediator, professor, and the director of the American Negotiation Institute. Before we get started, I have two quick questions for you. Is negotiation a critical part of what you do? Do you need to resolve conflict and persuade at work? If you answered yes to both of those questions, visit our website to learn more about our negotiation workshops. We've traveled the country working with professionals just like you, and we'd love to have the opportunity to work with you too. Check out the link in the description to learn more. Maggie, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's such a delight to chat with you as always. Yes, likewise. I'm excited for this one. So how would you get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Absolutely. So my name is Maggie Palmer and I'm the founder of Pep Talk Her. So we're on a mission to close the gender pay gap and help supercharge people's careers. It seems as though you've practiced that pitch before. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you're the same, right? When you run a business, uh, you have to tell people a lot and explain very quickly what it is that you do for a living. Because sometimes when you have your own business, people don't really understand. Uh, <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> so when it comes to this business that you have and, and negotiation in particular, where do you see the, uh, the connection? So I think it's really interesting. I remember when I was earlier in my career, when I worked in journalism and I was working for a television show that had its budget really drastically cut. And my job was to make sure that we could still put the same amount of output to television, but with, I think it was like one third of the budget. And so I had to learn very quickly about this amazing concept called negotiation. Uh, and how could you do that in a way that felt authentic to you? How could you do it in a way that was respectful of the other person's value and what they needed to achieve? And so long story short, that was kind of the introduction, I think, for me. Uh, into this idea of negotiation. And now, fast forward several years, I run a company that really focuses on helping professional women um, achieve their success, right? And I think something that a lot of people struggle with, and from, from my experience, particularly women, is negotiating for yourself, asking for what you're worth and, uh, you know, having that conversation around pay and promotion. And it's something that, you know, a lot of people have challenges with. Absolutely. No, this is great. And um, for the listeners, remember, we have that challenge for you. So if you listen to this episode and you find something of value, um, the deal is leave us a review, leave us a five-star review, let other people know that there's something good in these episodes. And then um, also make sure to subscribe. So then down the road, when we have new episodes, you are the first to know. And before we actually get into the set script, of course, we're, we're in this for three minutes and I'm already off script. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how, how does this apply to a pandemic? Because right now we're in a situation where for a lot of industries, people are making cuts, they're hiring freezes. Can we negotiate in a pandemic? Look, I think context is everything, right? Whether we're in the middle of an economic boom, whether we're in the middle of a recession, 
context is always everything when it comes to negotiation, right? And so I think if you're at the moment working for a tech company who perhaps uh, has never been so busy, uh, then I think having a conversation around negotiating your salary is a very different proposition to if you work for a company that has just laid off 2,000 staff, right? So I think you need to have that context in mind before you walk into any negotiation. Yeah, so I, I love your answer because you sounded like a lawyer. It, it depends, right? <laughs> That's what we always say. And um, remember, listeners, we have those free guides. Um, if you go to AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash guide, salary negotiation is one of the over 15 free guides you can get by going to that link. So make sure you check that out. And so let's get into the outline. So I really like this outline. So the first thing we're going to talk about is wish, want, walk. I'm very excited to, to see what that's about. And then the second thing, we're going to talk about confidence and knowing your value. And for the listeners, we talk about confidence all the time, but I love focusing on it in this particular realm. And then lastly, the full compensation package. So Maggie, let's start with number one, wish, want, walk. Tell us about that. Right, so I think you're aware of your context, so that's the first thing. And then with that context in mind, you want, to, you want to prepare three figures. So you want to have your wish figure, your want, sorry, you want to have your wish figure, your want figure, and then your walk figure. So what do I mean by wish, want, walk? So the wish figure is the number that you feel very uncomfortable saying out loud, a number that is kind of a little bit outrageous, but that you would absolutely love to be paid if we're thinking about this in the context of a pay raise conversation. Then your want figure is the figure where you think, you know what, that's a really fair amount of money to be paid. I'm really happy to jump out of bed every morning and work very hard for that number. And then the walk figure is the figure where you think, actually, I'm drawing a line in the sand. That is not enough for my value and my experience. I'm willing to walk away at this point. Now, you might quit on the spot or you might start looking for another job immediately, which may or may not take you a couple of months. But you know in your mind that if they, if they come in at that figure or below, it's a no deal from you. So that's what I always like people to think about before they walk into any negotiation. One of our clients right now is being acquired as a business, so they needed to have a wish-want-walk figure for the value of their business. Obviously, a lot of women that we work with at Pep Talk Her are thinking about salary negotiations. So the same thing, before you walk into that conversation with your boss, you have to have already done the mental gymnastics to know what, what is the market value? Where do I sit in that spectrum? And then let's just write down three numbers, the wish, the want, and the walk. And then that way, when you go into that conversation, you're going to feel a lot more prepared and like you have you know, more figures in your arsenal to use during that conversation. Yeah, this is great. And I can see how this blends really well with the, the next point we're going to talk about, which is confidence, because competence breeds confidence. The more prepared you're going to be and the more you've actually gone through this, the more confident you're going to be in the negotiation. So it's really cool to see how strategy and psychology are kind of woven together in this point. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're quite right. Like, they're so intertwined, right? I love that. Competence leads to confidence. And it really does. And that's why, you know, you can't just, you can't just walk into a negotiation with no preparation and expect that it'll be amazing. You know, the best negotiators in the world, even them, even if they do that, they're not going to get an 11 out of 10 outcome, right? And so the more preparation you do, the better the chance that you will get a premium outcome, right? And that doesn't necessarily mean that you get everything that you want and that you win, win, win. 
But the way that I like to frame negotiations is as, as, as a mutual agreement, right, between two parties. Two, two parties coming together to have a conversation, trying to find an outcome, right? Because if you screw over the other party, that might be a win in the short term, but in the long term, you know, how is that negotiation relationship going to go, you know, two months, two years, 20 years from now, right? So I always like to play a long game as well when I'm thinking about negotiations. Uh, so coming back to your point of, of confidence and why that's so important, you know, everything uh, in this life, as you know, is, is about perception. And so if you walk into a meeting and you're nervous, you're stressed, you can see it on your face if you're on a Zoom call, you can kind of see the body language is kind of a bit hunched over. Maybe your kind of eyes are being averted. That is all painting a picture, right? It's painting a picture of who you are. And it's painting a picture, frankly, of how confident you are in this moment. You need to position yourself at all times as the most confident person. Because we know, because of human psychology and very smart people who've done studies on this who are a lot smarter than I am. They've shown through studies, right, that the, the, the level of confidence that, that you give across in a Zoom meeting or IRL really impacts the perception of the other person. So I can give you an example. If you're walking into a pay raise conversation or into a job interview, and if you're sitting on your phone hunched over in the waiting room beforehand, or if you're on the couch making your body language really small before that conversation, the level of testosterone in your body is going to go down. As opposed to if you stand up, um, put your hands in the air and do power posing for two or three minutes, what that does to your body is it increases the level of testosterone in your system. And we know that testosterone changes the way people perceive us. So if I have a high level of testosterone, the way that you perceive me, Kwame, is going to be that I am more confident. And so by making your body big, by doing power poses with your hands in the air or your hands on your hips, you are physically increasing the confidence hormone almost in your body, right? And so I always say to people, even before this um, podcast, I was listening to my favorite music for the Taylor Swift, you know, if you've got any Taylor fans on the, on the, um, in the audience today, I always listen to music, right? That also gets my body and my sense of self in a really great um, frame of mind, basically. Because all of these little baby steps that I take um, help me to be perceived in the best possible way. So those are a couple of things that you can do to kind of literally change the way your body is perceived. But there's some other more longer term work that you can do, right? And so often, I don't know if any of your listeners have experienced this, but often we tell a story to ourselves, right? We tell a story to ourselves that we're not good enough or we really stuffed up on that deal or our boss doesn't like us or we're not worth that six-figure salary, whatever it is. And we start to believe the stories that we tell ourselves. So confidence is very much like a muscle. So equally, if I wanted to get massive biceps, I'd have to do these ones at the gym every day, right? And it's the same thing with confidence. If I want to develop a really confident mindset, so that when I go into negotiations, I'm perceived in a very confident way, I need to work at that on a daily basis. Does your company invest in professional development training? If you believe that your team would benefit from a negotiation workshop, all you need to do is go to our website, fill out the workshop request form, and then we'll set up a time to chat. These workshops are completely customizable and we've done them all around the country. Negotiation and conflict resolution skills are beneficial across all professions, but they're especially useful in procurement, purchasing, sales, sourcing, and contract management. Our calendar is filling up quickly, and we even have some workshops scheduled for next year. 
If you think you might want one, I'd suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Check out the link in the description to learn more. And now, back to the show. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From the minds of visionaries to the desks of disruptors, I'm Lars Schmidt, host of the Redefining Work podcast. Join me each week as we explore the new world of work through the lens of those shaping it. CEOs, HR leaders, investors, and more. Be a part of the conversation that changes everything. Subscribe to Redefining Work today. Something that you can do that's really simple is make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people who think the best of you, right? With people who value your worth. Um, those people will really help you help lift you up. If you don't know who those people are in your life, you can literally get out your cell phone now you know, jump in, create a text or a DM, however you roll, and just and just say, listen, I'm, I'm listening to this podcast. There's this chick, Maggie, from this company called Pep Talker, and she told me to text a friend and say, what is the one thing about me that makes me so unique and special? Now, if you're like me and you text your brother, you're going to get a funny response back, but you're going to be surprised at some of the lovely responses that you get back. Because sometimes we don't know the amazing things about ourselves that other people perceive, right? So, so making sure that you keep those things front of mind is really important. And the other thing that you can do is track your successes. Because if you're anything like me, you know, I don't remember what I did last Tuesday, let alone four months ago. So if my boss is expecting me to walk in in 12 months time, making a case as to why I should be promoted, I'd better have the data to back that up. Right. And so that's a big reason for why we built the free pep talker app is for that exact reason, because we wanted to create an easy way for people to build up a dossier of their achievements so that when they walked into a negotiation, they had data points to back it up. Right. And so what the app does is two, two times a week, it'll be like, what's up? What are you really proud of this week? What have you done um, at work that you want your boss to remember? What's your proudest moment this week? And all of those little things, right? If you're a teacher, maybe you helped one of your children in your class read. If you're in marketing, maybe you had a really successful campaign. If you're in sales, maybe you made a $10,000 sale. Write all of those things down in the app, right? Because what that does is twofold. First of all, you're building up the evidence and the data. But secondly, you're telling your mind to focus on the positive things, to focus on the amazing achievements um, that you've made. And we know because of the nudge theory of psychology that if we focus on that, if we nudge ourselves in the right confident direction, over time, that'll make a really huge impact. Maggie, this was fantastic. I don't even know where to start. Um, <laughs> this is great. I think let's let's start with the psychology. That's that's my undergrad degree. That's what I love. So let's start there. And I think one of the things about confidence that people don't fully understand and appreciate is the fact that it's not just about how you feel about yourself. It's also about the perception that you create for other people. So there's an internal benefit for confidence because it makes you more confident in yourself and it makes it more likely for you to take committed action. But then on the outside, people can look in and see that, oh, Maggie's confident, right? Because here's the thing, if you're lacking confidence and people see that, they're saying, why should I believe in you? You don't even believe in you, 
right? But then really when you have that increased level of confidence, people can see it and it changes the way that they perceive you and it's gonna change the way that they interact with you as well. So confidence by itself makes you more persuasive because people will interact with you in a different way. You're quite right. It's all about persuasion, isn't it? And listen, this is not a fair world that we live in. I think there's some people there listening going, but I, I'm not inherently confident. And, and, and it's, it's unfair, right? But, but, but it is what it is. And, and you know, through your studies as well, through psychology, that it is so important. The way people perceive us is more than 80% of the equation, right? Like it's, it's, it's actually matters more than the actual words that you say. So you really have to get comfortable with doing the work on yourself with confidence, right? And it doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert, you can absolutely do the work so that you are perceived in the best possible light. And, and persuasive communication is so important in all aspects, right? Whether it's in the family, trying to get your kids to go to sleep, whether it's, um, you know, in the workplace, um, it, it's, it's a wonderful skill to develop that will really uh, reap benefits in so many different aspects of your life. Absolutely. And kind of moving on from this point, it, it seems like this is tied, though, to knowing your value. And so when you say knowing your value and the importance of knowing your value, what does that mean to you? So to me, it means that you have to be your own best cheerleader, right? Because no one else is going to do it for you. That's the reality. If you work at a big company, your boss is managing you. They're also managing potentially tens, if not hundreds of other people, right? So you, and if you run your own business, if we've got some listeners here today who run their, run their own business, if you don't believe in the value of your product and service, frankly, who else is going to, right? You're not going to be able to get the press from the media. You're not going to be able to convert um, people in your sales funnel. So you really have to know your value above all else. So when I think about this concept of knowing your value, I just think of it as like knowing that you're awesome. Like, right, I, I think that's the most important thing. Like everyone listening to this call today is awesome in their own right. And everyone has something that no one else in the world is as good as they are, right? Like there's certain things in my life like, accounting and finances it is just not my jam and you know what my account she says to me she said I, she said to me the other day she goes maybe you know what i gotta tell you she's like i just love this and she just loves it and she's amazing at it and she's awesome at that right so that is her secret sauce that is what makes her so special and unique i will never be able to compete with her on that right and there are other accountants who have other nuances that they can't compete with her on so finding out what is that thing about you that is so special that is so unique and that you just know you could do in your sleep and it wouldn't really take you any energy or much work right it just comes so naturally to you so to me it's about really identifying like what are those strengths in your life and in your career how can you lean into them and then how can you really own the fact that you are an expert you are the best and everyone around you needs to know that you are in fact very very awesome this is great. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And again, it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier, where reaching out to your friends and asking them their perceptions of you can be helpful because it's, it's really interesting. Sometimes I think it's really because we can see our own flaws so clearly uh, <laughs> that it makes it so hard for us to see how amazing we are sometimes. Yeah. Look, everyone's flawed, right? Like your, your idol, whoever you put on a pedestal, they've all got flaws and that's okay. And what I've realized, you know, throughout my career, I've done, I don't know if you've ever done Gallup Strength Finder training. Um, I have a coach, Jason Biggs, who I work with, who I am obsessed with, has really changed my management style for the better. And he's really taught me about strengths and leaning into those strengths of mine. So I mentioned I hate finance and accounting. 
So I've had to get, I've had to get my head around the fact that it's okay to pay someone else to do that because I could do it, but it'd probably take me 50 hours, right? Whereas my amazing um, Diane from Trust Nimble, it probably takes her free. So it's not a good allocation of resources coming back to basic economics for me to lean into those weaknesses. So what I do now is I lean into my strengths because I love it. I'm very good at it. I'm amazing at it. And I, and I increasingly hire people who can help support me in, in those weaker areas. Because I used to see weakness as, as a negative. And now I just, I'm like, no, I can't be awesome at everything, right? I can be awesome at these things and I'm going to, I'm going to play to my strengths and play in my lane and I'm going to hire people or outsource outsource the stuff that doesn't kind of fit fit within my guardrails. Absolutely. And and I think when it comes to, especially when we're talking about negotiating for advancing your career um, within your company or just negotiating in general, when you can clearly articulate that benefit to the other side, when you understand who you are and what you bring to the table, it makes whatever you say so much more compelling. And I think people within companies need to do a better job of thinking entrepreneurially when it comes to the value proposition. Okay, great. So you have this skill what does that mean for me and my company how does that help us and so understanding the the challenges that the company is, are, is facing and then at the same time understanding your value that you bring and connecting those things together is going to make what you're asking for a lot easier to get in your negotiations no and you guys a really great point and i love that you raised that because quite right it's, it's it's about what you're awesome at right where you've added value but it's also the intersection between there and the company's needs and wants, right? So if they are very focused on revenue, then you should make sure that um, your successes that you track in the pep talk or app or whatever, that those successes are aligned to the company's goals. Maybe the company's goal is about culture this year, right? And so maybe the things that you need to highlight in your promotion conversation are actually around how have you shifted the culture in your team? What have you contributed on a cultural level that's really helped the company move the needle? So being clear on, on, on the other person's perspective, right? So in, in negotiation, as I said, I don't see it as an argument. I don't see it as a war. I always see it as a conversation between two different parties, right? Who for sure have different needs and wants, but you need to understand the other side of the story. And so that's why when I say context is everything, going back to can you negotiate in a pandemic, um, it's, it's, it's the same thing, right? In any negotiation, you need to be aware of the other side. Is your boss going through a divorce right now? If so, is this week the best time to ask for a raise, right? That's got nothing to do with you, but being aware of that context is still really important because if you get them on a bad day, you know, the, the reality is that their bias, their feelings, uh, where they're at right now is going to leak into your conversation. So you need to have the whole picture, right? And so you need to do your own research. You need to, you need to recruit allies within the company, maybe talk to their executive assistant, just suss out people, people around you to get their perspectives as well, right? Because I always think of it as like the preparation stage of a negotiation is kind of like being a detective. You know, you kind of got your little, your little magnifying glass and you're going around trying to get all the information, right? And so if it's salary, you're going around checking, checking salary websites, you're checking job, um, job ads in similar industries from similar companies, you're, re you're picking up the phone, you're reaching out to mentors, male, female, and otherwise to get their perspectives on where they value you in market. And then you're putting all the pieces of the puzzle together to come up with your own perspective, your own wish, want, walk figure. And then you take all of that information with you into that conversation and you're gonna be so much more confident than if you just thought, eh, I'm just gonna wing it, right? Like you, you can wing it, that's 
that's fine. You might get a six out of 10 or a seven out of 10 outcome, but if you prepare, that's when you're going to really elevate to that 10 out of 10, 11 out of 10 level. Yeah, this is great. Absolutely. And again, going back to the point about whether or not we can negotiate in an economic downturn. Remember, this is a, we have to talk about our value proposition, right? So when we're talking about that, do I bring enough value to substantiate the claim that I'm worth it? right? Because yeah. it's not just about your value. It's about your value and the value to the company and whether or not it's a good return on investment. That's it. And so if they can give you $30,000 more, but as a result, you can make $100,000 more with increased responsibility and a new position, that's a good deal. And if you can paint that picture effectively, then it's much easier for them to say yes. Totally. That's, that's exactly right. And I think the other thing is, it's like ultimately companies, typically they don't want you to leave right? Like it's, it's, it's expensive to recruit. Um, recruiters are expensive. It takes time, energy and effort. And frankly, your boss would be rather working towards their goals than having to recruit for you. They have to throw a farewell party for you. They have to interview people. They have to like hire someone who doesn't work out. They have to fire them. So it takes time, right? Plus all the institutional knowledge that walks out the door when you lose someone. So when, when you're thinking about, you know, negotiating to stay in an existing job, if you've had an offer externally, typically they will want you to stay, right? So you do have a level of power there when you realize that losing you is going to cost the company money, right? And they can't always come to the table with the monetary figure that maybe a competitor can but what can they offer you? And I guess this is maybe a segue to, to the conversation around full compensation package, right? It's not just what is the salary? Like that's one thing and that's very important. And I would always encourage you to get the maximum that you can in that negotiation. But there's other things that are important too. Like so for me, I run my own company now, but, but you know, um, annual leave and geographic freedom was always very important to me. So being able to work from home one day a week or have an extra annual uh, uh, an extra week of annual leave. Those sorts of non-monetary benefits for me were very very important, and I can actually put a monetary figure on the value of an extra week of annual leave, or on the value of being able to work remotely every Friday. So thinking outside the square about what other things your company might be able to offer you that doesn't necessarily come from the salary sort of line item in the budget. Like maybe they can pay for your parking. Maybe they can give you, you know, a voucher to attend one of the American Negotiation Institute courses. You know, like what can they do to help add value to you and your career outside of just a paycheck? Well, I think we just found the, the magic tool here when, <laughs> when it comes to negotiation. Everybody now in your negotiation, please negotiate for a uh, training from the American Negotiation Institute. I think that's a brilliant idea, Maggie. Thank you for that. <laughs> and the thing though, like in a big part of what we do, I mean, we obviously have the free app and, and we have products that help consumers on our website, peptalker.com. But another part of the work that we do uh, and, you know, I mean, it's great, we, you know, we have a relationship and a partnership in this sense too, is, is helping companies with professional development for their staff, right? So we will go in, we, um, we have, a, have a big partnership globally with Salesforce. So we go in and run training programs for their staff because Salesforce knows that if they empower, if they educate their staff around topics like negotiation, 
confidence, personal branding, they know that if their staff are better at that, they're actually going to perform better, right? And if their staff perform better, they're going to make more money, they're going to have less churn, the share price will go up. And so there's a lot of positives. And so thinking about, you know, whether it's bringing in Pep Talk Her to do training, whether it's the American um, Negotiation Institute, whatever it is, those skills, yes, you as an individual are benefiting, but the company as well gets the benefit out of that, right? So that's the way I always like to think of it is, is thinking about how can you learn a skill that will help you in the long term, but that also your boss can see that there will be sort of a value add for the business and for their team as well as a whole. Absolutely. And I think the key here is creativity. We're yep. recognizing what it is that we need, recognizing what it is that they need, and how can we be creative to figure out how we can meet those needs? And something I say all the time is, of course, money. We're going to try to go for that. We're going to try to maximize the money we can get. But then once we feel like we've reached that ceiling, all right, now we're going to shift to non-monetary issues. What are other things that could be beneficial to me? And I'd be interested to see with the people you've worked with, what are some of the most creative things you've seen them negotiate for? That's a great question. So some companies, this is kind of wild to me, uh, will pay for your pet insurance, which is kind of crazy. Well, and I guess it's like, I suppose, you know, these days, I mean, now not so much because we're working from home, but you know how some companies you can bring your dog, you can bring your cat, maybe your guinea pig, whatever. But so some companies will actually pay for pet insurance, which is pretty random. Um, some companies who have amazing benefits will, will pay for a holiday for you and your family every year. Uh, and it's kind of weird because what they can do is, again, if you put your boss's hat on or the, the accounting department in your company's hat on, they have a bucket of money for salaries, right? That's fine. But then they have other buckets. So they have a travel bucket. They have a professional development bucket. They have a transport bucket. So some people's companies will pay for a ride share to and from work for them. Or if they finish work a certain hour, they get a cab home for free. Or if they're still in the office, they can order in a meal and the company will pay for that. So, so those are some of the benefits. Uh, what else have we seen? Increased 401k contributions or superannuation contributions, retirement um, money. Sometimes they have a bit more room to play with there. Professional development is a great one. So sometimes it'll be a membership to an institute. Sometimes it'll be doing a short course you know, at a university. We've actually just launched a partnership um, with, um, with Wharton University with their online learning. So maybe your company would pay for that. Um, online courses, we have um, uh, a great guy called Jeff Lee, who was the COO for JLo, for any music fans out there. Um, he actually works with us um, on, on teaching people what he's learned um, from some of the world's greatest negotiators as well. So like courses like that, that we run or that you run Kwame, you know, Sometimes companies will pay for that or um, sometimes, what else have we seen? Oh, like laptops, paying for laptops, clothing budgets. Some companies will actually pay their employees a few thousand dollars a year to make sure that they have lovely clothes because that might be important in a sales role or if you're doing a lot of presenting um, in, in a media or PR sense for your company, they want to make sure that you have tailored blazers or that you can get your hair blow dry or whatever it is. So sometimes I'll actually cover those costs as well, which kind of seems bizarre sometimes from the outset. But when you think about it, you're like, well, that kind of makes sense because 
the company wants me to be perceived in the best possible way. So for them to give me a few thousand dollars a year to buy great clothes for all the media appearances I do for the company, that's actually a great investment, right? For, for, the, for the, uh, the positives that they get out of that. So thinking about all of those creative things as well is really helpful. This is fantastic. Yeah. And for the listeners, you recognize there are deals to be made out there. If you can think outside the box, right there, it's, it's out there. We just need to take the step and ask. That's really it. Yeah. Asking is so important and always asking the question, um, I think is important. And the other thing, and I'd love to know your thoughts on this as well, Kwame, is like the power of silence in a negotiation. Because when I was younger, when I was still learning, I would say something and then keep talking because I was uncomfortable with the silence. But what I've had to learn is the power of asking and just sitting with that. And just putting it out there and just sitting there and counting to six in my head. Because <laughs> I'm tired, so you keep that space and like you want to fill the space. But actually in negotiation, it can be really powerful to sit there and just let the other person fill the empty airspace. So I, I have to ask the, the question. I'm responding to your question with a question. Is this an Aussie thing? Because my friend, my friend uh, um, Julia Ewart, she was our re- most recent guest. She's from Perth. And um, her episode was all on silence, how to use silence strategically. So the timing is hilarious for this question. <laughs> wow. Well, so as you've probably been able to tell, I'm not American. I am Australian originally, and I migrated to the United States about three years ago um, after living here briefly as a child. And, and now I'm back and this is home now. But look, I don't know if it's an Aussie thing, the silence thing, but I do think it's a very powerful tool in negotiation. And I've had to learn that over the years, um, sitting with silence. Uh, and it can be uncomfortable. And I don't, I don't want to make this a gender thing, but sometimes I do think um, in the experience that, that we've heard anecdotally from the 50,000 uh, women we have in the pep talk community is that often, in, as, as I say, this is anecdotal, women find that silence quite difficult uh, to sit with because I think that comes back to the way that women have often been socialised, which is to make everyone feel comfortable and be accommodating and all that kind of stuff. So we feel the need to fill that space so that the other person doesn't feel uncomfortable. But actually, in a negotiation, to ask for what we want and to ask for what we're worth doesn't mean that we've done something wrong. It doesn't mean we're making the other person uncomfortable. We're just asking the question. They can say no, but it's their responsibility to say no, right? We need to give them the space to be able to say whatever they want to say in response. Exactly. And here's the thing with silence in negotiation, it's one of the most critical parts. And um, I know we people talk about it, people touch on it, but they often say it in passing. And I really think it needs to be a part of the negotiation literature that's just as important as asking good questions. How good is the question if you're talking through when somebody's trying to answer it, right? And so I think it's an important part of it. And strategically, there are clear benefits. Because here's the thing, when you're persuading somebody, 
let's think about it actually in terms of physical space. They're, they're located right here and we want them to move a specific distance. It takes time for people to move that distance. Similarly, cognitively, it takes time for people to move that distance. And what ends up happening is that we ask a great question and they're thinking through it. They're thinking through it. They need to process it and then they can make an adjustment, but they're not just going to immediately make that adjustment. But what ends up happening is we ask a great question and then we sit there for two seconds of silence and then we say this is painfully awkward let me jump in and let them off the hook and uh we we ruin the good work that we've done with the fantastic questions that we asked i love what you just said then giving people the cognitive space to to make a move right and i've never heard anyone put it that way and i think that that's very poignant because you're quite right everyone processes things differently so personally i'm an external processor so i'm happy to process in conversation with you and just brainstorm that's the way I work. Someone on my team, um, a wonderful woman, woman on my team, she's an internal processor. So I can't ask her a question and expect an answer. I should, I'm a better leader if I say to her, listen, I'll give you an example. Uh, I recently asked her what sort of coach she would want us to invest in for her. And I asked her and she rightly came back to me and said, thank you for asking me. I'm going to take a couple of days to think about it because she doesn't have that information front of mind because it's come out of the blue and it's completely fine for her to take some time to think about it because I would prefer a considered answer. And so equally, I think there's also something we can learn in this for negotiation as well. If someone asks you or offers you something, you do not have to respond then and there. It is okay to say, thank you for you know, giving me that information. I really appreciate it. I'm gonna take a couple of days and I'll come back to you. Or thank you for that offer. Let me have a think about that. And two hours, I'll give you a call back. Right? So you, you never, never feel that you are under pressure to make a decision straight away. You know, you can, and one thing that I always like people to do is have some language prepared. Have some language prepared for if they give you a good offer and language prepared for if they give you a bad offer. So for example, if I wanted, uh, if I was applying for a job and I really wanted to be paid $60,000, let's, let's use that number. And if I was in the negotiation and my boss said, we'd love to offer you $50,000. What I would say is, um, thanks so much for the offer. To be honest, that's a little less than I was expecting. Let me take some time to go away and think about it. So you flagged the fact that it's not really at the want or wish level that you were hoping for. You flagged disappointment. You haven't said no, you've asked for some time to think about it. Because in saying that you're buying yourself time, but you're also sending a signal to the other person, hey, listen, you might need to move your goalposts here, right? And, and then equally, if I wanted 60 grand and they came in at 80, I could also say, uh, I really appreciate this offer. Let me take some time to think about it. Because maybe I can actually get them up to 90, right? Or 85. Um, but if I say thank you straight away, yes, yes, yes all of a sudden I've potentially lost that leverage that I have to extract a little more value in my direction in that negotiation conversation. Absolutely. Wow. This is great. And I want to keep going, but I, I want to be respectful for the, uh, of the time of the listeners. So that means we just have to have you back on at some point. <laughs> so uh, before you go, can you let the listeners know again about your company, especially about the app? I think that's fantastic and how they can get in touch with you. 
Yeah, definitely. So the app is called Pep Talker, P-E-P-T-A-L-K-H-E-R. It's on Apple and Android. It's totally free. Um, check it out. Let me know what you think. We would love your thoughts and feedback. It'll help you track your career successes. We like to think of it as a Fitbit for your career. Uh, you can print it off, take it into negotiation conversations with you to kind of help you along. Um, so that's free and available. You can also head to peptalker.com slash negotiate. Uh, and then we can keep you posted on amazing upcoming courses and partnerships that we have. And yeah, we do a lot of work in-house for corporates. So if any, any of your listeners work at companies who bring in speakers or are looking for trainings uh, for their staff, uh, that's our jam. That's what we do for, for global companies like the sales forces, like LinkedIn, like Apple, um, all around the world. So we are, um, we love the work that we do. We love the impact that we have and we would love to hear from your listeners. So if you're leaving a review on the podcast, definitely do that. Definitely send me a DM. I'm on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram at Meggie Palmer and at Pep Talk Her. We'd love to hear what you thought, what's worked for you in negotiations and yeah, keep us posted on all your successes. I'm delighted to hear about them. Congratulations, you've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. Keep learning, keep practicing, and keep getting better. Your relationships will improve, your career will soar, and you'll have the confidence you need to get the most out of these crucial conversations. Again, thank you for joining the team. We're excited to have you, and I will see you in the next episode. I'll catch you later.